and that you may know that you have eternal life. The missing word is you must trust. So if you share Christ with someone, the goal is not just to get them to bite on the, on the bait. You want to reel them in. So you're asking for a decision. You must trust Christ. What does it mean to trust? What, okay, that's a synonym of trust, faith, rely, depend, believe. That's a, those are synonyms, but what does it mean? When you trust something, yes, to have full confidence, okay, and to have full confidence in this case, which, and that's another synonym, but often we'll use an illustration, talking to someone, and they're sitting, Sister Mary is sitting in front in the chair. I said, when you saw that chair, did you know that it would have enough strength to hold you? No, I did not. But I sat down because I believed, I trusted, I depended on this chair to provide everything that I need to keep me from being on the floor. So when we say we trust Christ, we're saying that we are dependent, we are confident that Christ plus nothing else has everything that we need to satisfy the just requirements of God for our sin. We are totally dependent, totally rely. We have placed our full confidence in the finished work of Christ. I'm resting, I'm sitting, I'm told, I am dependent upon what Jesus did plus nothing else. Then there's the anti-works. You ask people, well, if you died, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? Well, I'm doing the best I can. I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain, trying to do my best to make it in. I kept on searching. I kept on searching. Kept on searching. Kept on searching till I found him. That's a good song, boy. He used to rock that song. <laughs> Until I found, but... God has never been lost. So when you think that you have to do something to receive the free gift, that's works. And so the anti-work approach, when you're talking to somebody, say, I go to church all the time. I've been baptized. I've been this. I've done that. I serve, et cetera. The Bible says uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, man has sinned. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That's what the scripture says in verses 1 through 3. Man cannot save himself because we are sinners. And again, you need to come up with an example or an illustration of what sin is because people don't know uh, what sin is in the way that we've understood it in the past. Christ satisfies God's justice. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. So I take a person to a passage like this when they're trying to depend on good works to get into heaven. And then again, you close with, you must trust Christ to be saved. You must trust Christ. The Bible says, for by grace we have been saved through faith, not that the works of God, lest any man should boast. So we're saved by grace through faith. Not by works, lest any man should boast. 
Um, then there's the need-centered approach. I've done too much evil. God could never forgive me. So I use these scriptures uh, from uh, the book of John, St. John. Uh, God loves you. John chapter 3, verse 16 says what? For God so loved that he gave begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him, not perish, but have eternal life. I make myself quote scriptures and, and reflect on them. I really believe that helps us keep our minds sharp. So when I'm asking you to repeat to me, I'm not trying to treat you like your elementary students, but we all are, aren't we? Amen, amen. Man has sinned. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. Christ died for sin. John chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. And again, you close with, John, you must trust Christ, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all sin, according to John 3, 36. We are always closing, as was mentioned last time. We commence with a question, we communicate scriptures, and we close by stressing faith. Philip stressed faith. He said, do you believe that Christ is that lamb? That and so we want to always bring people back to, do you believe that you are a sinner? Do you believe that sin separates you from God? Do you believe that God has provided Jesus to, for, to forgive us of our sin? Are you willing to accept by faith the promise that if you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved? So we're stressing faith. Amen? Okay. Uh, talk about assurance. I guess that, I left that out altogether. <laughs> a review to make sure they understand. So I go back over the plan of salvation. Do you understand that you acknowledge that you are a sinner? Do you understand that there's a penalty for sin? Do you understand that the provision for our sin is God sending Christ to die in our place, or as our substitute? Do you understand that by professing or saying with your mouth, agreeing with God, that you're now saved from the power and the penalty and the guilt of sin? So I review. So the assurance involves reviewing what you use to lead the person to Christ. Say, uh, share 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And I talked, uh, I shared that one. These things have I written in you that you may know that you have eternal life and that you have life through God's Son, Jesus Christ. You go back over that. You may know without any shadow of a doubt that you now, this day, the moment you place trust in Christ, that you have eternal life. You have life that will never end where you will be in the presence of God. Talk about getting to know Christ. And that's where discipleship comes in. That's where life groups come to join our life group. That's where I have a, I have a, a booklet that I'm going to email you 
and we can begin. You don't even have to go to their house. They can live in China, and you can do a discipleship uh, program with them. So I'm going to be contacting you. And if they live close enough, I'll come and pick you up for church. I'll bring some Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> uh, so discipleship, evangelism without discipleship is an abortion. You're terminating the life. They, a person is not going to ever develop the proper way without someone walking with them to grow in their faith. Talk, uh, take them to church. Take them to church. You make an appointment to get, uh, uh, to pick them up, send them information, recommend a Bible teaching church if they can't come to our church. I remember we went out in Chicago on the 4th of July and back then, we used the four Bill Bright's four spiritual laws, and the pack, the park was packed, and we led hundreds of people to Christ on the Fourth of July. And there's no way I was going to say, "But by the way, you need to come to Philadelphia and go to our church." No, I asked them if they were aware of any any Bible believing churches, so they don't have to come to this church, but they need to go to a God fearing Bible believing church. The problem is. That's becoming more and more scarce and difficult to say, go to this church because they teach and believe the Bible. Uh, ask them if they have any questions, and then talk about shopping. I've led people to Christ on the bus, sitting next to them. Uh, uh, I shared the experience where I, when I was still in seminary and I was at SMU in Dallas uh, trying to play basketball. <laughs> and uh, during our time of uh, coming on the side, I began to share Christ with someone. I think I was about an hour and a half into telling this guy everything that I'd learned in seminary for three years. And then he finally put his finger up and said, look, <laughs> can I go now? And I said, oh, by the way, if you die today, and in two minutes or less, I led him to Christ. He said, oh, that's what you've been trying to tell me? So here I am trying to impress this guy or thinking that I needed to be scholarly because he was a college student and da, da, da. No, there's power in the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. There is deutimus in the gospel. Okay. So the Bible study methods uh, handout, do you have that? How to study the Bible? Okay. So what I wanted to provide you there, we do a complete course on inductive Bible study. When we start our Bible Academy in Middletown, uh, we're going to be doing a different approach to how uh, things are offered. We're going to have multiple classes. Uh, one of them is going to be trauma healing. Amen. We're looking forward to that. And we're going to be dealing with inductive Bible study, uh, people that are interested in learning how to do pedagogy or the study of teaching. We're going to teach people how to prepare lessons. Uh, we're going to do studies on uh, basic Bible doctrine. But one of my favorite courses is inductive Bible study. And uh, I think that everything that is highlighted on my handout 
the, the key thing is I wanted you to know how to, what to look for when you are in the, in the observational stages. Observation, interpretation, application, correlation. Correlation is how does it all relate to other parts of the Bible? How does it relate? So the kinds of things that you want to look for are uh, keywords that are emphasized, space that is given, et cetera. Those were the questions uh, that I did not answer when we were going through the initial teaching. Okay, so you have that conjunction. What is a conjunction? What is a what is a uh, what is a um, a repetitive phrase? What is a uh, metaphor? Uh, what is a um, a purpose state? How do you know that the, a conclusion, a statement that is drawing a conclusion? How do you look for that? Uh, and what does that mean if you're getting a therefore? How? however, or moreover, those kinds of things. That list is here for you. Okay, do you see that? That's on page three. Page four, okay. All right, it's all there. And there's also some exercises for you to practice the things that are on page, on the, on the handout, yes. Okay, so okay, so when you get an opportunity to, all this has been sent to your email, both of these handouts, with the answers, and then there's also the student version that if you wanted to fill it, walk through it with someone, they can complete it online. Okay? All right, so we're going to move to lesson seven. And if we move with the swiftness, we'll have one more lesson, and I'll be out of your way. Okay. So to, today we want to talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, use what you have. Use uh, what you have. And uh, star where you are. So turn to Matthew chapter 25. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. And uh, I'd like for someone to begin to read at verse 14. Well done, and I'll get in faithful service. He said, Faithful is a few things. 
I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You also who have received the two talents came and said, Lord, you deliver us these two talents. Look, I gave you two talents more besides that. The Lord said to him, Well done. I have been a faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he came to have received the one talent and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, where you have is yours. The Lord answered and said to the servant, you wicked things. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bank. And at my coming, I would have received back own So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten Verse 29. Verse 29. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But okay. to him who does not have, even what he has taken away. Okay, thank you. Amen. So the Lord, in this passage, we're going to see that he intends for us to be successful wherever he has placed us to, to in, wherever he has determined for us to serve, wherever he has determined for us to serve. One of the most difficult things in terms of where we struggle is that we tend to compare ourselves with ourselves or with other Christians. And if you compare yourself to other Christians, that is something that the Lord tells us not to do. And not only does he tell us not to do it, but the consequence of comparing ourselves with others is that we make other people the standard rather than the word of God. And you and I will never become all that God wants us to be if we are trying to be like others. God did not make you an original so that you could be a copy. And so we all need to know, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Romans chapter 14 says, every one of us will stand before God to give an account for the things that we've done. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about every man's work shall be tested according to what sort they are. And then talk about wood, stubble, hay, precious stone. And the works that burn up, the works, uh, gold, and then it talks about uh, uh, silver, gold. Uh, the works that remain are going to be the works that the Lord rewards. The Lord rewards. So we want to do what we have been gifted to do, what God has designed us to do. And so when we think about new Christians, one of the things that is very important in terms of how people decide on remaining in the church, and what the interesting thing about that is there's a very short window, especially for men, if you don't get men at the beginning or when that window is cracked, you can lose them forever. And that's often true of new discipleship, new disciples. And so the two things that keep people coming in terms of the majority of the people that are going to keep coming is 
the relationships they form in the church, who are they connected to? That's why life groups are a vital part of what we do. And the other thing, especially for Gen Zs and Gen Xs, if they don't feel like they're doing anything substantial, people are not going to continue to come because they don't feel invested. They don't buy in. So every Christian needs to know where they fit. Now, what we've done historically is define work as Christians solely as what happens inside the church building. But the gift that the Lord has given us build up the body of Christ, but they're not restricted to what happened in these, within these four walls. I remember talking to Sister Mary Hall, and she shared with me, and I appreciate it, and I, I believe as a shepherd I should know what you're doing uh, because my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. She said, I have ladies at my job, and they basically are saying, teach us the Bible. And she said, if I do that, then that's going to mean that I'll be less available to do things inside the church. But I will be serving the Lord. And is that okay? I said, you're serving the Lord and you're using your gifts. And this lady is a sharp, theologically thinking sister. I've known her from when I pastored in Philadelphia. She, you know, uh, but the point is that some of the things, one of the, one of the uh, emphasis on life groups that I think would really be uh, a source of motivation for Gen Zs and Gen Xers is that what are we doing in the community? What are we actually doing that matters in the lives of people outside the church? And so we have at least we have three projects that each life group is supposed to be doing outside of their time of meeting. And the purpose of that is when you do things like that and, and you see God using you, it motivates you to dig deeper in the work. It motivates you to want more. And so we, we absolutely must us emphasize the importance of people becoming a part of our family, relationship, and secondly, people being released to serve in the area of their giftedness, okay? Your giftedness. There's, we all are, as we're going to look uh, in the scriptures today. Now, on page 33, here's where we're starting. Here's how we can star where you have been called, and there are three things that you must understand and four things you must apply. In verses 14 through 19, you must understand these three things, uh, which was already read, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, and we're not going to re, re, uh, uh, repeat those things that were read, but the first thing is, the ability to accomplish God's, it's a, the ability to accomplish the assignment of God for your life, it's a gift. And you, got, you, you receive that gift at the moment you trusted Christ. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift, one spiritual gift. I'm still hearing uh, one of the uh, dorm mothers back in 1973. How long ago was that? 
What? Oh, my God. So anyway, she says, she said to me, I have eight of the spiritual gifts, and I'm praying for the ninth. Does any Christian have all of the gifts? Can we personally decide on which gifts we get? And are there more than nine or less than nine spiritual gifts? There are more. There are more. I do not believe, now there, there, there are four books in the New Testament that specifically talk about spiritual gifts. There's Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse, verse 11 through verse 16, where he talks about he is placed in the church, gifted, and they get, make a list. And he says how the Lord went and set the captives free, and he has given gifts that he took from the enemy, and he has distributed those gifts to the church. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 4 through verse 12, he talks about a list of spiritual gifts. A list of spiritual gifts are given there. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in around verse 3 through the end of the chapter, that's the most exhausted list of spiritual gifts. And then again in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, he talks about the gift of hospitality. I don't believe any of those lists are intended to be exhausted. Exhaustive. That means there are other gifts that are not necessarily listed, but all of the gifts that are available in the church, like the gift, you're not going to find the gift of technology in the Bible. There are people who are gifted in technology. You're not going to find the, the gift of editing. Thank you, Jesus, for that gift. <laughs> are people who are, who are uh, so you might, you might place those kind of gifts under the gift of teaching, the, dif- the gift of discernment, the gift of administration, the gift of leadership, uh, the gift of wisdom. But I believe that we can actually expand the list in a way that it doesn't um, conflict with uh, the list that are already provided in the scriptures. Okay? So, the ability to accomplish what God has called you, you, that has been given to you. It's a gift. He called you by his grace for your assignment. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. The gifts belong to God. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 3 through 7, it shares. Let's look at that. We can look at that. We got our Bibles, don't we? I'm about to run out of time. Yeah, I get But uh, we, wanna, we want the Lord to, to let this permeate. Who has, who has 1 Corinthians chapter 12? You don't have your Bible, Sister Valerie? Okay. Yes. She used to be very spiritual. <laughs> yeah. She's like one of those, uh, the, the, how many virgins were there? there were, and, and, and nine of them ran out of oil? Ten virgins? Yes, yes Sister. say that Jesus is 
So that, we're going to continue. Don't sit down. I'm going to there ask you. Are diversities of gifts, mm -hmm. but the same spirit. Same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Okay, stop right there. So notice in those verses, who is involved in the distribution of spiritual gifts? Same spirit, same Lord, same God. Every member of the Trinity, of the Godhead, is involved in the distribution of the free gift to serve that has been distributed to you. The gifts belong to the Lord, and he says, you are my servant, and I decide on what gifts you get, okay? So the call, <clears throat> the call, he calls you by his grace for your assignment. That's why the Bible says that gifts can be used without repentance. Anybody know what that means? You can have a gift, and it can be still effective without, what does that mean? without repentance. Right. Right. The gift is going to work. That's why scoundrels can be extremely effective. If somebody shares the gospel, even if they're not living according to what they are professing, the gospel works. Your gifts still work because the gift was sovereignly given and the Lord doesn't take it back. What he does do is, someone has said, the only uh, employer that doesn't fire disqualified employees is God. Well, he changes the, the venue that you can be effective in. Paul says, I do these things, buffet my body, so that I will not be disqualified. And where the scripture says, we are the salt of the what? The earth, but if the salt loses its, it is no longer good. So we still are the salt, but if you get some, you, if the salt becomes tainted, then its effectiveness is, is, is diminished. Amen. There's my beautiful wife. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, any, so he, the call comes from, he gave you the capacity to fulfill your assignment. The scripture says he delivered his goods to who? To them. You have the capacity to do the assignment. You are the little train that can. The question is, do you know your assignment? Are you willing to use the capacity, the capability that the Lord has given you to serve? He gives clarity. He gives clarity. His departure was announced. He says, he is like a man traveling to a far country called heaven. Jesus is the traveling man in this parable, and he tells him, I'm going away. I'm going away. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. He said, in a little while, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and uh, 
do my business till I come. And what happens as Jesus is telling them to go to Jerusalem and wait? What happens in verse 10 of Acts chapter 1? He ascends into heaven and what? And the, the, the disciples see him going to heaven and the, the angels say, in the same way that Christ departed, he will return. Okay? So the capacity and clarity, the Lord is coming back. We used to say, don't let him catch you with your work undone. My mother would give us assignments, and then I would wait until 15 minutes till I know she's about to come back. And then I push everything under the bed. <laughs> Sometimes my bed would be unbalanced. <laughs> like I'm on the boat. I had so much stuff under the bed, and I pulled this long blanket. So it was clean. You couldn't see, but mom knew where to look. Because she pulled up. My mother was Lucinda. That's her name. That's a rough lady, though, boy. <laughs> she pulled up that blanket. Didn't I tell you? But she was clear. I'm coming back, and I expect the assignment that I gave you the capacity to complete to be finished. So clarity was given. His definiteness, his definite return is promised but the specific time of it was not. We do not know the moment or the hour. Are you about the Father's business? We do not know. The duty of each servant was made clear. He says, do my business until I come. Serving is not an option, it's a command. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. He chose us. It's not an option. There's no such thing as an unemployed a furloughed Christian who is on disability. There are no disability, dis, disabled Christians. There's always something that a Christian can do in whatever capacity you find yourself in. The question again, are you doing the Lord's business? Are you doing the Lord's business? There's nothing more fulfilling than to know that God is using you. Nothing more fulfilling than that. How you respond to your assignment reveals who is your master in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So you, when you're going through this material with someone that you're working with, you're saying, when I obey the command to use the abilities that God has given me, I'm showing that he's in charge that the Lord is in charge. How you serve reveals the value you give to your God-given assignment. Wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. Sometimes we look at what God is doing in other people's ministries and the opportunities that they have, and we say, man, look at how God is using him, and look how God is using her. And then we don't see what we do as significant because it's private ministry. It's, it's coming in and making sure when you come on Sunday morning, we got a clean church. Now, that's not 
everybody doesn't get to see that when it's happening, but we would notice it if it was if the church was dirty. Amen. Amen. We'd be all on Sister Val. Amen. All right. So how much value do you place on the on the gift that God has sovereignly given you to serve? How do you know if you value the gift that God has given you? You'll use it. If somebody gave you a gift and you never wore it, now I always say this, I say, if you get a gift for somebody, who are you giving the gift to? Them. It's for them. Not the person who, boy, she would look nice in this. And I expect her to wear it because I like it and therefore... It, it, it's supposed to be. No, if I'm getting it for her, I say, you can take it back. And I'll be all right with that. But when the Lord gave us our gifts, he didn't give us anything that we would ever want to take back. If we understand the fact that he, he didn't have to give it to us. And if we use what he gave us, we will most impact the kingdom of God as he intends for us to do. Don't devalue the grace of God in your life. Don't underestimate what you, the difference that you can make. There's something that you can say that I can't say. There are people that you will be able to reach that I will never be able to reach. There are things that you can do that I cannot do. I was blown away by Mary Allen when she got up here teaching about trauma healing. I said, what are we doing? I'm getting, we can getting invite somebody in here. We want to do this and that. What? Look what we got in this church. Look what we have in this church. Some of you may not know. Sister Mary McBride, who uh, sits in the back. Uh, she's Deacon McBride's wife. She was here at the beginning. And I was in that refrigerator yesterday with my food. She got that refrigerator for me. She got the, the furniture that's in my office. She got that for me. She, set, she decorated this place. Before there was a Sister Val, there was a Sister Mary. Yes. Sister, oh, what did I say? Oh, gosh. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you, babe. So, so... There are people who know how, who, who, who can do things that, in fact, when, I, when we first were considering uh, redoing the church over on uh, when we were uh, where Alpha used to be, Fire Dancer Lane, I said, I don't need an office. He said, yes, you do. We're not going to have a pass without an office. So I'm glad I submitted because I ended up getting a, a desk that's in all of that, but Sister Mary was part of that. We got treasure in this room. Someone has said the richest place on the planet is where? The graveyard. Why is that true? We carry our treasure to the grave with us because they were never, the gifts were never used. God doesn't want us to take anything back to heaven. That's when the Bible says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Is that we should love God until we literally enter into heaven exhausted. We should be breaking the ticker tape, falling into the arms of God, because everything that God gave us to do, we did it. 
I don't know too many people like that. I mean, I, I can tell you, without getting distracted, but we want to use every gift that God has given us to the fullest of our abilities. Amen? Uh, how you serve reveals the value. Uh, assignments given by God to his servants are different. What did the master decide? He decided different diversities of gifts for each assignment. And to one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. Different diversities. Different potentials. One with five had the potential to reach ten. The one who had two had the potential to reach four. Now, who is more successful? The one who uses the five to get ten, the one who uses the two to get four, the one who has the one gets the two. Who's the most effective? All of them. What makes them effective? They, they work to their potential. The Bible said it is required of a steward to be found what? Faithful. You can't be more faithful than me. No, you can't. Uh, you can't. I'm going to do my deal. I'm going to do my gift. I'm going to let the Lord use me. I'm going to stay in my lane. But if you do what God has given you the ability to do, you can max your potential, and he will say to you, just like he's going to say to me, well done. Well done. Why are the abilities different to fulfill his purpose. He says, do my business. It's his business. It's his We're doing this for the, for, for the glory of God. We're serving him. That's why I don't like the term, we need volunteers. No, this is not, this is required. This is our job to do his business. It's ministry. One of the beautiful things, you go to Christian Stronghold, the reason why that church is still thriving is they think ministry, ministry. A lot of the contemporary churches, they talk about volunteers. But it's more than being a regular volunteer. It's ministry. When it's ministry, you know that you are in covenant with the Lord. If it's volunteer, you can quit and leave whenever you feel like it. But when it's ministry... The assignment is not over until the Lord tells you it's over. What ministry are you serving in? How is God getting the most out of you? So fulfill his purpose, fulfill his plan, each according to his own ability. Each according to his own ability. God has a plan for you. The overall plan is to serve according to your ability in your lane. But now, indeed, there are many members, and that's that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we don't have time to look at. But he says, is the body made up of one member? We have, what, what are the members of our body? We got hands, fingers, ears, etc. All of them have a function. And when the least of the members is injured, what part of the body hurts? Every part of the body hurts. That's why I'm always concerned, and I know it, I, want, I don't want anybody slipping through the cracks here. I want everybody to, be, to, to know that if there's a need, we're on it. Amen. We're on it. Not me, but we. 
We are on it. And one of the things I was uh, joking with Deacon McBride, he said, y'all got a lot of good things going on. And y'all, y'all, I said, wait, 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 man. We, we. One of the ways that you know when people have really invested and brought in is when they start saying, this is our church. This is my church. I hope you feel that way. So to fulfill his plan, <clears throat> for his pleasure, moreover, it is required, as I've already shared, uh, that it's required of a steward to be found faithful. For his pleasure, on uh, three. Now, remember, when we're done with this, I'm going to give all of you the teacher's version. So the answers, you're going to get the answers. But I want you to go through the experience of what the students will be doing when they don't, they don't get the answers at the beginning. Okay? This is for his pleasure. Assignments will be evaluated and rewarded. So he who received the five talents came and he brought five other talents and etc. So we know that the Lord is going to evaluate and reward us for how we've used what he gave us. He's going to evaluate. Now, I will not be evaluated for what you did, nor will you be evaluated for what I did, but each one of us will give an account for what we did with what we had. What gift do you have that, one of the <clears throat> things that I regret, uh, I love to sing, <laughs> but y'all know pastor has challenges with words, right? Sometimes, sometimes. But thank God for tablets, you know. But I never developed that gift as much as, you know, early on, learning a repertoire song. I don't have time for that now. But are there things that God has put on your heart to do that you never fully developed? Paul said to Timothy, cultivate the gifts. Stir up, develop the gifts that you have in you. I reached out to some folk to help me with uh, preparing the, the life group classes. I didn't even ask Dr. Vaughn. I don't know why I didn't ask her. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I was blown away. I got, I got a response. So, amen, I did. Not everybody responded. But I got a great response. <laughs> from Brother Price. Lord have mercy. I don't have to do them anymore. I, I don't know. We'll talk later. We'll see if you want to continue. But what an excellent job. We got folks that so they can take the lessons and develop them for me, and you guys will not miss a beat because uh, I don't have to do them anymore. We have people in our church that can do that. Amen. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, now, how did the servants respond uh, to their assignment. Uh, two of the servants maximized the potential. Two of them did. One of the servants failed to fulfill his potential. He did nothing with what the Lord had given him. When the story of your life is told, what will be said about what you did with what God gave you to do? Will there be a blank page? And we're going to stop here. Uh, we're not going to finish it all. Uh, 
Are you allowing the Lord to use you based on how he's gifted you? Do you know where you should be serving? And I'm often amazed at how many Christians who say, I don't know where I'm supposed to be serving. One of the ways that you'll know where you'll be serving is, what are you doing now? Usually the gift that God has given you is something that, you, that it seems natural to you. And you find yourself always, whenever you go to the family reunion, they want your macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and you're like, why do you always want me to cook it? Just mess it up one time. <laughs> but you, that may indicate that you have the gift of service, the gift of helps. Do you find people coming to you and asking for advice? That may mean you have the gift of counseling. You just need to develop it. One of the courses that we want to have with the biblical counseling ministry is how to do trauma healing counseling. You'll be a trained trauma healer. Amen. 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 We have, we have a person in our church now who has a master's degree in, in therapy, and they are a licensed clinician. Wow. Yeah, yeah.